Hello, Mr. Patel here. Hope you all having a lovely, lovely day. A lovely day. And welcome to Vasky's podcast. I want to be a DJ. Now, don't forget, if you enjoy this podcast, go follow him on social media only. Facebook slash I am Vasky. Twitter, Instagram and Snapchat Vasky. Thank you so much. Enjoy the podcast and continue having a lovely, lovely day. And don't forget, rate, review, subscribe. Okay, bye. Hey, do you want to be a DJ? Why, why I want to be a DJ? What is going on guys? Welcome to episode 3 of Varsky's I Wanna Be A DJ Podcast. I'm your host Varsky. It'd be weird if I wasn't because I'm in the freaking name. Rate, review, subscribe. That's what you can do to help me out on this podcast. Uh, a big massive shout to everyone who's reviewed on, on iTunes. Thank you so much. Your one review will go a long way in helping pushing this podcast forward and to getting it out to more listeners. And that's my goal with this podcast. Welcome to episode 3. And I'm once again joined by my boy Thomas Bounsky. What's going on, mate? What's going on? You good? Yeah, all good. Uh, do you um, do you have any feedback from last week's episode? Um, yeah, it's quite positive. Well, from f- close friends, anyway. Um, I had some really good feedback. Yeah, what, what like? So, uh, first of all, I've been proper overwhelmed by the response to this podcast. I like. I know that the first couple of weeks are going to be really really slow as I try and build this and I build the listenership but you know from people that wouldn't even give a shit about DJing or like music they're the people that are coming up to me and saying do you know what I didn't really I didn't think I'd enjoy it but I really did and like that that was really nice that's what exactly what I want and I'll do the um I'll do the DJ interviews like I did Wide Boys last week I've got six really good interviews lined up dude I did an interview with Mickey Slim have I told you uh, very briefly, but okay. So Mickey Slim, yeah, Mickey Slim from the Random Mandem movement, um, dude. I got a newfound respect for that guy. That interview was so deep, and he was so honest. And what that guy has done that we ain't even got had a clue about is is unbelievable. Yeah, you'd never think it. Well, I mean, he's you know when we was doing the BCM thing last year, he was a very very intelligent guy yeah uh, just in general i think the first impressions for mickey is that he's got a very like a uh, upfront demeanor but when you actually get to know the guy and you realize yeah, yeah. what he's been through you realize like damn you you've been through so much and you've accomplished so much in music and in your personal life that i might get that interview up this week actually because it's a deep interview it's proper deep but um yeah going back to the feedback that I've had so people that aren't even interested in music they're the ones that are coming up to me and saying they're really enjoying it and well I just had never I never expected that that would happen I'm just really humbled on top of that it's foolish of me I you know I always talk about social media on, on this show I didn't check Snapchat <laughs> at all for questions <laughs> and then I opened Snapchat last week and there were like six questions and I'm like oh fuck I, and I might as well just do another ask Lasky Q&A thing so then here we are I mean, how many times have we spoke about Snapchat and saying, like, oh, it's dead now, you've got Instagram stories, and I've, I've totally, totally forgot about Snapchat. Yeah, it's naive you of us especially. to think about it, yeah. I mean, I, then I, put, um, I put a series of videos up, you know, asking people, you know, if you've got any questions, and 
literally uh, the course had like six hours I just ping 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 like non-stop questions I've had to sift some of them out because a lot of them are asking the same thing so I've just put them all into one but I was I was just like sorry Snapchatters I, I didn't mean to ignore you last week I really didn't and I won't ever ignore you guys again I won't ever ignore you again <laughs> but um so how was your week Tom? quite busy actually yeah you're looking forward to Valentine's um, Day? yeah yeah, I don't know, that's a whole other. I just I don't know. Valentine's annoys. Valentine's Day annoys me. It's my mate. Um, yeah, I, I totally get what it's about. But the most frustrating thing for me is the whole restaurant situation and how they put up their prices and you're sitting there and you're eating, but you're you know you feel you're being rushed because you know there's it's so busy and there's someone else waiting for a table. I don't know. For me, it's just much rather chill yeah. out. I've always cook, found cook, um, mean steak, steak, bro. Valentine's with a steak. I've always found, other than my with my first girlfriend years ago, where I took it really seriously and I got a hotel and I got a restaurant and I got roses. Ever since that, I kind of grew up a bit. And I look, I look at it. I'm like, this is just a money making scam for like oh, large mate. card shops. <laughs> And I just haven't been able... To, I haven't bothered with it ever since. It's never been... And then on top of that, you go to... I went to Asda today just to get a, get some beer and a couple of bits. And there's this, like, the whole entrance is dedicated to Valentine's Day. And you've got these, like, little 14-year-olds... Shoots in your face. Yeah, yeah little 14-year-olds going to buy roses. And I'm like, I wish I could just tell you. Just go up to you and listen, I'm, I'm sure you're very happy right now, but you're probably not going to last. You know, don't spend too much money on that dude or that girl. Just go and meet him and just have bants. You don't, you know... You don't need to buy flour. These flowers have been plucked from the ground. Leave it in the ground. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to seeing how many Michael Kors watches have been... There, on Facebook and, and, and Instagram. <laughs> hashtag Valentine's Day. Hashtag best Valentine's ever. Uh, it depends on sort of who you are and how your relationship is, but we, I've just got like the absolute most hilarious card I could find. I don't know. It's, it's just yeah. obviously you're very good at buying cards, but we'll, we'll, we'll be <laughs> you know that, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's loads of things I wanted to talk about this week, and obviously get in, get to the questions as well. Um, but one of the biggest things that I basically last weekend I went my my close friend uh, CS had a, uh, his wedding reception. Well, it was like a mini wedding reception because he was going to have his proper wedding in Goa. So last weekend, all, all the crew went, and it was a lovely party. Really, really nice. You know, I think it was for the people that couldn't go to Goa. I thought it was a very, very nice gesture. And it just it if you don't know about Indian weddings, basically they're the best thing ever. They're the best thing in the world, and you what they are now because obviously if you're having an indian wedding the generation that you're in you've been brought up in england and you've taken the best from england and then you've taken the best from indian weddings and now you've got the ultimate wedding and so what this was was basically a dinner and dance um celebrating the, their marriage they got married in the day and there was a dj there was lovely food so but of me being me i have to just sit there and just you know listen to the dj and pick out faults because I can't, I can't not. And and so an Indian wedding DJ. I really want to talk about this because <laughs> just talk about it. Just, just go for it. So obviously uh, the generations that I'm involved with getting married now. You know, we we grew up with music. You know, from our early years. So it would be like Motown and you know, Michael Jackson and Luther Vandross. And then you've got the twenties. So you've got stuff like Sean Paul and you've got. You know, that whole 20s era of R&B, Ja Rule, blah, 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 and all the bashment and stuff. 
that's what you know people think that all oh, Indian weddings are majority like Bollywood and Bang right? they're not really mate you've, you've got that but the majority of music is now R&B and, and stuff from the from the 20s and so that's what all you expect and we walked into the um, the reception and this DJ was playing house like yeah. yeah and bear in mind it's an early reception so it started at about 12 he was playing like deep house music not even deep he was playing like proper tech house and it was just really off-putting because when you walk into a, a, a venue you see all your friends you just want to have a couple of drinks you want to catch up you want to get lively and you want to get ready for like the events that proceed and I couldn't I couldn't get past the fact that this guy was playing like deep <laughs> tech house <laughs> And and I was just you like, felt like you was walking into a nine, not into softback. Well, honestly, this out. is how it progressed, right? So it's funny you say that. As the night progressed, and the the first lot of dancing started, he he actually, I think the DJ thought he was at a Saturday nightclub on a Saturday night residency because he was playing stuff like house every weekend and stuff like that. Oh god! And you've got family there. You've got mums. You've got dads. You've got grandmas. You've got us lot. And I'm just like, nobody wants to hear this, bro. Like. I, I, I really struggle to believe that either CS or his wife asked him to play that stuff and it was just really really weird and I, I was just like looking at the DJ thinking like what what's going through your mind and he was really trying hard that's another thing about Indian DJs they're really try hard they, they feel like they have to make themselves look like a million dollars every wedding which like it's the opposite the people that do the simplest stuff are have a better party and, and get the most respect from people like me and so yeah, he started the party off playing house and like house every weekend. And obviously, there's like old Indian moms and dads there, like rocking <laughs> <laughs> out. But it was just like it's so weird, and I just like, what's going through your head, mate? Seriously, like I understand what you're trying to do, but no, just don't don't do it. So that's the first thing I picked up. Now the other thing I want to talk about Indian wedding DJs, and this isn't to do with CS's wedding on the weekend. This is just in general going to many is that when they pick up the microphone, they think they're a garage MC that never made it in 1998. So they're like, once in tears, once in tears, welcome <laughs> to the big wedding of the beautiful couple. We're going to cut the cake very shortly, and then we're going to have the first dance. So I want everyone to stand up. And that is the voice. They all put this voice on. No matter what. Do you think within, like, the Indian wedding industry, there's still that... Whole perception of not wanting to be the disco Dave, so they're trying to be sort of something a bit cooler. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. But the diff- the problem is, is that they their passion isn't music. They they're just very good business minded people that because these DJs make a shitload of money, so they're very good business minded people that know how to mix. Uh, but they they don't have an eye for music. I've been to there's a couple. Don't get me wrong, there are a couple super super sick Indian wedding DJs that I have to tip my cap tip my hat off to because they're they're absolutely amazing. But the run of the mill ones, they don't really have a passion for music, so they just they're trying really hard to be cool. Now. Again, it's just me being me and a DJ and someone who loves music that I, I pick up on this. And to be fair, the rest of the party probably doesn't. But I pick up on it. And this is my podcast, so fuck you. So um, I, and so they try and do different uh, different things, and it never works out. Because A, they're not technically sound. They, they don't get mixes spot on all the time. They always mix vocal over vocal. And if you're a DJ, you know that's a big no-no. And this is another thing they do, Tom. So you've got a classic Indian song, right? Um, whatever it may be, you've got a classic Indian song that gets played at every wedding. 
they bring in a big urban beat so say like 50 cent in the club or usher yeah, 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 yeah and they try and mix it into that song but if i'm at a party and a guy is mixing uh, a cap- uh, an instrumental into another track i'm now anticipating that track next because that's the whole point of doing it that is the whole point of creating anticipation as a dj you want to you want a reaction so they know that track is coming so they'll do this they'll badly mix an instrumental of a big r&b track into an indian track and then you're like oh you know what I'll, whatever the mixing was shit but whatever this track's sick i can't wait for it they won't play it it'll just get lost in the shuffle and they'll move on to another track i don't get it <laughs> what advice would you give to uh any aspiring wedding djs for well, you might the thing is, though, we say Indian weddings. For those of you that don't know what Indian weddings are or Indian receptions, they are just very elaborate dinner and dances. And the people that are actually getting married are people who are probably 28 to 35. I don't know. I'm just... They could be different. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that they, they grew up on music that everyone else grew up on in this country. So, yes... There is very little Indian music left at these places, although there are. But, you know, you you could take someone who doesn't know any Indian music and put them in an Indian wedding and they'll know 90% of the tracks played because they're R&B, they're Bashment, they're Garage, and they're the very commercial Indian tracks like Punjabi MC. And there's a couple of others as well. But, you know, they're all, they're all very good. I'm a big fan of them. And so an Indian wedding now is basically a dinner and dance, a very elaborate dinner and dance. So as a DJ, you have to remember that you're not playing to 18-year-olds who want to rave. It's a completely different ball game. You're playing to a family. You're playing to um, a wide range of ages, people who don't give a shit whether you can mix Luther Vandross into Punjabi MC. Do you know what I mean? Like, or like Usher, yeah. It'd be a big mix, though. Yeah, it, it would be a big mix. <laughs> so... My advice for an indie up and coming Indian DJ would be just stick to the basics. Track, track in, in and out. track out, mix it in time, stick to your BPMs, take it through the journey. Don't be trying to mix a one oh two BPM track into a one thirty BPM track. Because it does, it does really ruins a vibe. It there's nothing worse than killing a vibe than poorly mixing a track that goes completely into a different BPM. Study your sets like we all do like I do, like Rewire does, like everyone does in, 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 in what the field that we do. Study your sets, know your music, and know that at an Indian reception, you're still taking people on journeys. It's the same concept as any other night you're DJing at. You're Is this not the same? Does this not go for the not just traditional weddings as well? There's very little traditional weddings anymore, mate. You still get the Indian ceremonies, but... Uh, but I mean, you know, not, not just an Indian wedding, just a general a wedding DJ. Well, Doesn't it go intact with that as well? No, because I think, I think that my experience from English weddings is that there is a DJ and stuff, but it's a very like, like a very minimal kind of party. The, the, the focus of an English wedding, so to say, is on the romance and on the couple and on the beauty of the actual wedding. Whether yeah. Indians don't give a fuck, we're just like, get the booze, get the drink, and get the music, basically. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I, my, my advice would be just to keep it really simple and basic. And, you know, there are people that do that. 
whoever they are, they know who they are because they're doing very well. There was even, I even went to uh, a wedding a couple of months ago. I think I sent you videos because the DJ was rocking EDM. <laughs> yeah, they were all bounced. And it was, it was going, going off. Up. It was actually <laughs> main stage. Off. They had them foam light sticks. There was rocking EDM. So after that, the difference between me saying, oh my God, they're doing this, and what I actually did was, which was get hype, because the DJ had confidence and you could feel that confidence in the DJ and he knew he was something doing something different but it's just the way he projected his voice the way he projected himself and the way he did his music was really really good and he's one of the better DJs that um that I've come across within the Indian scene and funny enough his full-time job he's a police officer and what do you know <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't have been doing that all night, though. No, it was just, little time dropping. It was the bank. yeah, it was literally like within 15 minutes he was like dropping some EDM stuff, and it was like the people had these glow sticks things, and, they, and then all the all these aunties and uncles were like jumping and like their saris and stuff. It was brilliant. It was a lovely. It was a beautiful sight, and that was the first time I experienced that. And I think he got away with that for me anyway. In my in my opinion, he got away with that because he was just like he was just oozing confidence, and I bought into him. Like he could have done anything that night, and I was like, "This guy's all right," because I just bought into his confidence. But yeah, a lot of the Indian wedding DJs, their 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 confidence—if they have it or not—they don't show it. And if they try to show it, they try to show it in the wrong way by putting a voice on on the mic. Once in tears. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, Tom, did you did you watch UFC this weekend? No, I've I've not watched the last two pay per views. They're, so um, behind are you like me in the sense that um, last year there was like we had loads of interest, and this year it's kind of just dropped a bit after the after UFC two hundred five. It's just kind of like yeah. Yeah, see, I'd call myself. I, I am a I am a UFC fan. I'm not a super super fan, you know. Sort of, you know, like you was with wrestling, like sort of you knows absolutely everything that's going on at every minute. Um, damn right, I do. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. There's just I, I remember sitting down sort of every month or every other week to uh, you know sit down and watch a big fight. And now I can't remember the last time I did. I think it was the um, the McGregor fight or the Rousey. No, fight. no, the Rousey fight. Yeah, and she got knocked the fuck out. Yeah, she stormed off like a little baby. Has she come out since? I think she's done now. Even Dana White comes out. He, he came out and he was like, I think she's done. Yeah, well, to you be know, fair, what, what I, she meant to say when yeah, exactly, she, she got battered, like, like she got not, like, honestly, her face got so fucked. It was just like, you know, that was CM Punk level fucked. No, that that was worse. That was uh, <laughs> hey, leave Punk alone, all right? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, the Rousey was worse. Uh, yeah, Rousey was worse. <laughs> At some points, I, I was literally thinking, this is surely just a setup. It's, it's got to be a work. <laughs> like she, she's she's surely not uh, she can't be this bad that was a weird one because i think she went to fight it was um who was it nunez it wasn't a Nunes, was it was it nunez i think she tried to fight nunez at her own game and nunez to me is one of the best strikers in the female division and, yeah and i think nunez. rousey tried to combat that by striking too or i don't know well, same as the holly home fight <laughs> she tried one. to box her yeah like, <laughs> you can't box you can't you, you know it was a, a kickboxing specialist the time when rousey was dominant over ufc that was just a great time to be a fan because it was like 14 seconds 13 seconds 17 seconds bang armbar 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 sick it'd be interesting to see how sort of like the women's division 
carries on from here. I, if there'll I, be if there'll be another sort of Rousey, but that, I think I think there won't be a Rousey because everyone else is better now, and that's because of Rousey. Yeah, and what she's done is she's created the women's division in the UFC. So all these fighters that are fighting, like even like Chris Cyborg, who's, who's that is, is, she's in a weird division right now. There's a lot of shit going on, but there's now different divisions which there never would have been had it not been for Rousey. And there's just better fighters like Ah uh, Nunes, Holmes. They're, they're so good. Yeah, and you got your Misha Tate's as well. Yeah, and um, so Holly Holm fought last night. Uh, I'm just reading up on it now, but basically the whole night it like has has been like drowning controversy because even Dana White has come out and just said yeah that was shit basically. He was asked in the interview what was your favorite part of that night and he's like it's going to be the jet home. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and the the Poria Miller fight was very good. If anyone is a fan of UFC, I don't want to bang on too much because I know it's very like niche or whatever. Poirier Miller fight was really good like it was based in New York and what I believe is that the refs the UFC don't choose the refs the the commission the New York fight commission choose it and the ref he in, in a couple of the fights there was well no in the women's fight there was two blows after the buzzer which should have been negative points but she never he never gave them them points it was just all a bit bollocks it's for me as well boxing just general boxing is I think it's gone a bit I've never been a fan of boxing. Yeah, see, see, I was, and there was so much going on. You know, you know, you had your Mayweather's, you had your your Hattons, you had your Pacquiao's, and obviously now we've got um, Eubank Joshua, Jr. Uh, Joshua, Ashley, yeah, and Joshua, Joshua. But it just doesn't seem to be on that sort of level. Because I think back then it went, it it was the fighting and it was the marketing as well. Do you know what I mean? Like the okay, so let's let's take the Pacquiao Mayweather May, uh, Mayweather fight, right? I had no... All I know was about Pacquiao was sick. Everyone's like, Pacquiao, Pacquiao. Yeah. And I sat down and I stayed up with the lads and I watched it and I fell asleep. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Mm. Like, the best thing about that night was the chicken wings that we ordered and the beers that I just drank. There was nothing else good. The boxing was... Maybe it's because Mayweather fights a certain game that isn't entertaining, but it's enough to win. Mm. Which is cool if you enjoy that. Not for me, though. I just like, ugh. Like what? You just just suck it out. I want. I just want to see someone get boxed in the head. Boxed in the head. <laughs> get boxed in the head. Mate. What oh. chicken wings did you have? Uh, Maryland. Oh. Standard. Do you want to just ex- care to explain? Um, well, I think okay. what we're talking about right now when it comes to Maryland chicken wings for anyone that's not from Leicester or Nottingham. It's a, it's a very very important issue that I do. It's a good job you raise this, Tom, because I want to talk about. Maryland chicken now everywhere I've been everywhere we've been lucky enough to go there are chicken shops chicken cottage this chicken whatever listen when I say none of them and I and you can even watch this chicken connoisseurs videos that kid's funny as fuck but <laughs> you watch all these videos none of these chicken shops have got anything on Maryland chicken they're, they're, surely I, he's been recommended to go. He has to have been. But he's all about the crunch. Yeah. And Maryland the chicken wings are not about the crunch. It's about the spice and the taste. Gala masala. Gala masala. Gala masala. <laughs> <laughs> their burgers, their wings, their strips. There's Even their Rubicon. Standard. But oh, have you noticed they don't actually do Rubicon anymore? Oh, it's... Yeah, it's just like the rip-off. Yeah. Uh, it's probably because it worked out cheaper for them. And they do work on small margins, you know. Let's talk about business now on this podcast. They're, they're, you, for £4, you can buy the shop. 
<laughs> the whole shop. <laughs> you walk in with loads of change. Uh, I'll take. Uh, I'll take everything. <laughs> <laughs> I remember on our Christmas party, our manager Baz ended up waking up with like the whole chicken shop next to his. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't eat any of it. <laughs> but it's just the experience. After a night out in not- Leicester. No matter what no time matter you what. walk out of that club, Maryland somewhere is always open within walking distance. But not even after a night out. I mean, you know, when we've come back from shows. It, it, could, be, it could be just for lunch. It could be I'll like for a Sunday carvery, you know. Right. Let's go to Maryland. I'm hungry. I want some uh, six strips, chips, and six wings. <laughs> what are you eating? Bruh. Bruh. Ferrero Rocher. So you, have you had Ferrero Rocher uh, ice cream? Where? Where, Where from? Uh, there's a place called Gelato Village. In oh, Leicester. I think I have. I think I have. Uh, Gelato Village is all right, to be fair. There's loads of them around there's here. Two, there's Whippy Gelato and Gelato Village. They um they yeah. do really good uh, waffles. Yeah, and that's the benefits of living in town now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a city boy now. <laughs> I'm a city boy. Did you um did you watch Elimination Chamber WWE? No. Come on, I'll let you talk about that for a bit. Well. I want to save my wrestling talk for when, like, WrestleMania comes or when something major happens. Because at the moment, to be fair, it's all right. <laughs> and as a wrestling fan, you never want to talk about it when it's good. You only want to talk about it when it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, Elimination Chamber, the SmackDown brand, it's been written by um, Darren Ward, who used to write NXT. And you can just tell. Everything makes sense. Everything's happening for a reason. And it's just a very good watch. God. Yeah, let's let, let's let's save it for because uh, WrestleMania is soon, you know. Yeah, we'll save it. Then we'll get who should we get in with us? We'll get Billy. Go get Billy from Steel Cage Podcast and Dirty Sheets. Get Billy to talk about wrestling. Okay, um, and I'll just back and listen. No, we'll, we'll educate you. You can be the wrestling powder one. Well, I mean, I always tuned into WrestleMania, so yeah, we'll watch I it together. No, this year we'll watch it together. Okay. We'll do it, we'll watch it together. But on, on that note of wrestling, one thing I did want to bring up, one thing that's been on my mind for ages, is, you know, did you remember, did you hear, like, Jimmy Superfire Stuka died? No. Right, so basically, um, he's probably one of the most, other than Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior, Super, Jimmy, Jimmy Snuka was, like, really, really famous, like, household name. I even remember having his figure when my uncle used to go to America and buy figures and come back when I was, like, five, six. Jimmy Snuka was one of the figures in there. So basically, he passed away, and I got loads of people on my Facebook timeline going, R.I.P. Jimmy Snooker, R.I.P. Jimmy Snooker. And it really mm. pissed me off. Not, I'm not pissed off at the people doing it. I just wish that these people actually read into the man. Yeah. Because, so basically, I don't know if you know the story, Jimmy Snooker it, is a murderer, he, and he got away with it. And back in the 80s... What happened was he was he was basically put on trial for murder because his his road mistress at the time it's not even his wife his wife was at home his road mistress was found dead in his hotel room and he I don't know what he said I think he said that she fell on the pavement and somehow they found their way back into the hotel room but the the coroner said that after examining the dead bodies that she died of a brain hemorrhage caused by blunt shots to the head so a blunt object was obviously snapped like back in the head yeah 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 he murdered her basically he like he fucking killed that Nancy uh, Nancy Argentina and for some reason nobody knows probably Vincent Mann knows the case got dropped and nobody heard from it again nothing and then he carried on his career but then 
30 years later, this is probably like the towards like the middle or the end of last year, like the case got brought up and I think the judge was like, this guy is, is clear indication of murder. We got to bring this, we got to raise this um, appeal again and get this guy behind bars. But by this time, he'd got like dementia and he was all fucked. So he couldn't stand trial. The judge already said this guy, he murdered Nancy and Argentina. Everyone knows he fucking murdered the poor girl. And he got away with it. But because he was too fucked up last end of last year, he couldn't stand trial and then he died. So basically you have a murderer who w walked away for doing so. And people are like, oh, R.I.P. Jimmy Stuka, R.I.P. Jimmy Stuka. And I'm just like, I, I really just wanted to comment on every one of them and say, please do your research on the man that you're just resting in peace. Just, it just goes for everything on social like, it's not just for this case but I mean it happens a lot on social media it's one reason I get really annoyed about it and I think if it wasn't for work and it wasn't for sharing funny videos and football videos with you guys I mean I'd probably be off like Facebook because it's just full of people who like are like, literally just I don't say brainwashed but just, people just don't read into things they're too lazy to Actually, everyone yeah. just sort of jumps on the bandwagon and I think the worst, me, thing well, really the worst thing to right. actually accompany this whole bandwagon thing is that you've now got news sites boasting fake news. Like, yeah. is it the Huffington Post and all that? It's all fake news that they can get away with just talking shit. And, and then you've got people sharing it like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. This is outrageous, blah, blah. And I'm just like, look at the fucking, look at the source you've just posted it from. Even, even like, everyone knows every media source has an agenda. Everybody knows that we will never get told the full true story of everything. Or we, we, can, we can go and find out if we want to. But I think I've given up on that because it just made my, it made my life miserable. And it really, like, got me really down about humanity because it really is it's so sad how we're lied to and what, what the truth is and what goes on. You kind of just have to, like, stop after a while because I, I got so down. Just down on down on life itself and down on society you just and you can't you can't you just can't carry on being in that environment so i had to stop after a while you have to pull yourself away from negativity that's one thing i've learned like, over the last sort of last few months is like being around negative sort of i mean you, you go on facebook and say you know you spend half hour on facebook and you actually like calculate how much sort of like how many negative things are on there how many negative things are people talking about? And you look at a news article and you're, or anything, or actually something like maybe like the sports Bible puts up or like the lad Bible, something funny. And it somehow turns into something really negative in the comments. And people are literally just like at each other. And I just think it's, a, I get everything about, I get all the, you know, the positives about social media, but I just think it's a really like negative place. A very negative place. It gives people like a screen to hide behind. It does. And they it can does. say whatever they want. And that's the worst thing. And people, people just, they just do that. Like, you know, I've always been a big believer that if, if you aren't receiving negativity on social media, you're not actually doing anything right on there. <laughs> yeah. And it, it goes hand in hand. Whenever I get a, a big influx of like participation or following or people messaging, when I get a big influx there's always like one or two negative and that is my indication oh shit i must have done something really good here because there's something really good going on with my brand for this many people to be a messaging and commenting and b that to be negative comments 
And and the fun the the funny thing is, um, I'll give you uh, an example. I think it was one of the big events we did last year. And naturally, at these events, I always encourage people to tweet me um, and you know Instagram me because for shout outs and blah blah blah. And I did that, and um, I got like a couple of. There was definitely just this group, this group of people like going, "Oh, get off the stage, you shit bastard! Get off the fucking stage!" And all I did to one of them tweets was to retweet it with like four cry faces, like laughing. And like I, I found it really funny. I'm just like you guys. You got you got nothing else to talk about in your life. You you got to talk about mm. this. And it is it's very 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 sad when an individual has to make an effort to actually point something negative out of someone else because it really speaks a million words about that actual person and their 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 life and their their personality and everything. And it's just like you know you guys need to kind of fix up a little bit, but. So I, I read, I, I I quoted the tweet and I put um, cry face, cry face, cry face, laughing, and then they deleted the tweet, and it's just like that is the internet because yeah. I I I found it funny and they didn't want me to find it funny, so they did oh we just delete it, and that's you know it's a perfect example of shit like that happening. It'd be interesting to know sort of how long this whole Facebook and Twitter thing is going to go on for. I mean, I don't think it's going to be cut short anytime soon. I think we're going to, it's going to be with us for a very long time. But Oh, I think so. I think it's going to be with us for, for the rest of our lives anyway. But I do believe, and I think it's already happened, where Twitter has fallen so far behind in England. I know in America, Twitter's massive. But in England, I think Twitter's fallen way behind Instagram, Snapchat and Facebook. Yeah. I've, even like, you know, when I put posts out, to, for this for this podcast and stuff Twitter's my last resort like I, don't, I hardly even I don't even ask people to ask me questions on there anymore because you know I'm getting loads of response and loads of interaction and everything else um, and so Twitter's every time I do put something on Twitter I don't really get much of a response and I'm just like well you know I think Snap, Snapchat and Instagram for me are like, like earlier on you know, when people were sending you questions on Snapchat, it actually shows that, you know, for you, it's still, it's still alive. And yeah. I think, I could especially this I summer, like, I think oh, we fuck. should definitely take advantage of the whole, like, Snapchat thing again and keep posting up-to-date stories on both Instagram and Snapchat. I think it's... Um, that's, that's, the, that's another line, though. So what do you use, Instagram stories or Snapchat? Like People use both, though. They, they actually post on Snapchat. So they post live on Snapchat, but then they use them posts to just put straight onto Instagram. Right, so they just I'm pretty them. sure that there's, I'd be surprised if not, there's an app that sort of, you know, links both of them together. That would take one massive headache away if there was an app that did that. If there yeah. is an app, guys, let us know. Safe. If there's not, so I'll make one. Dude, that could be a massive project. That'd be a sick idea. Well, that as, as well as our little, uh, you know, vlogs that we've got planned. Yeah, so we are going to do some vlogs this year on road, which I'm really looking forward to doing. Because something that we should have done, let's be honest, we should have done it a long time ago. We have a lot of fun. And we go to so many places. Like, yeah, exactly. The vlogs will be fun. And I think, here's, here's the deal, right? I think when we spoke about this, it was me, Rewa, and you. I think we all acknowledge that we may have not been upon our social media game as well as we should have been because over the last six years on our journeys from ministry of sounds club mtv to doing what we do on the stage and, and the grand scale that we do it on i don't think we've been you know people <laughs> the stuff that we've done some of it is really funny <laughs> 
I mean, well, you get a lot of you put a lot of the stuff on that happens up on social media that happens on um, you know when you're on stage. But I think it's the stuff when we're at hotels that I think you know it's. Uh, I think it's, tears of laughter are regular. Like me and you, especially like dying <laughs> with laughter or something. Or some yeah, but I'm sure most of the time it's stuff we can't really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stuff we can't really project. Not online, anyway. Should we do some questions? Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to... Uh, yeah, go on then. Ask away. Favourite drink. And let's go with alcoholic. Okay. And this is from Black Rhyme. Black Rhyme, what's going on? Thank you. Favourite drink. Now, uh, this sounds very, very stupid, but fuck it. I'm at a crossroads with alcoholic drinks right now. I believe I'm going through a stage uh, where my taste buds are actively changing. Because I was always an Amoretto drinker. And I still am. I love Amoretto. Di Serrano on the rocks. You can't mix it with a mixer. I just, nah. It's got to be on the rocks. The ice has got to melt perfectly in there to, to the point where it's really, really cold. And I never liked anything else. I never really enjoyed beer. I never really enjoyed any whiskey or anything like that. I just found it a bit too, bleh, for me. But I'm really enjoying Coors Light beer right now. Like, really, when it's ice cold, dude, I could go through... Like, when I was at my brother's a couple of weeks ago, we went through, like, four crates of 24 Coors Light. And I I could never have done that with a beer before. And then my enjoyment for Amaretto, every, like, every time I drink it now, I'm becoming more and more aware how sweet that drink is. Yeah, it's so sweet. <laughs> really sweet. And I'm actually, like, going, ooh, this is... You know, I'm actually reacting to how sweet it is. And I genuinely think I'm at a crossroads of drinks. What's your Yeah, opinion? I agree. Well, just look at how much Amoretto we've sort of probably been through the past, like, four years. It's scary. It's, we could probably fill a football pit full of bottles. But I, I get what you mean. But I've never been a beer drinker, so for me... I'm more of a cider drinker, but lately I've been really into wine. I don't know if it's because. Ah, see, I was going to ask you about that. And, you know, but. The wine wave, let's call it that, hasn't hit me yet. I'm around and I'm surrounded with so many people all the time who love a red wine with dinner, who enjoy but wine. With dinner, that that is it. Like, I was just, it's just a different ball game. A, red, a glass of red wine with your dinner changes changes the game. Honestly, I'm telling you now. But I've tried it. I really have, and I've given it a massive go, and I've talked to people about it. But it just doesn't. Yeah. Red wine. No, I've had some really expensive wine. I've seen the bill, man. <laughs> like, I look at the bill, and I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not paying for that. And I've tried really good. Well, I say good. I'm basing it on the price because that's all I can do with wine. I'm not a connoisseur. And I've tried some very expensive wines with dinner. And it's just like, I don't, I really wish I could get involved in this because it looks like a real cool club to be a part of. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel about 10 years older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think my favorite drink, I'd probably go with uh, probably just an original Bulmers. Apple, with, apple with Bulmers. Ice. Yeah. You've got to put ice inside. Glass, glass and ice. Yeah. Second, probably like a recorder lick mixed fruit or something. Yeah, recorder licks are good. But again, I'm finding them sweet. too sweet. I'm <laughs> not happy, Tom. I'm not happy with where I am with alcoholic drinks right now. Maybe we need to change the rider. 
Well, we don't, we don't even go through the rider anyway. Like, well, first of all, we rarely get the rider that we ask for. <laughs> and when we do, like, because I don't like to really drink when I perform. I, I've always been, like, a big fan of that. And I'm, I, yeah, I never, ever, well, I rarely get drunk before working because I, yeah, I love what I do. But so by the end of the night, I'm tired, you know. I'm ready to go home, listen to a podcast and go to bed. So there isn't really a chance to, like, enjoy a drink. It's only at, like, the MTV Christmas party or, like... Yeah, or just, like, the bigger shows, I think we do. Yeah, the know? bigger shows who have, like, a... a Croatia and... Yeah, because stuff. we've got fuck all to do the next day other than fly home. And you don't, you don't have to worry about driving, so you don't actually care about whether you sleep or not. But again, I'm not happy because I'm at a crossroads of drink and I really just want a drink to come into my lap that I, I enjoy. But saying that, Cause Light is doing it for me, man. I love Cause Light. But it's got to be cold. I can't drink it warm. I wouldn't, I refuse to drink it warm. Let's have a word of boss, man. Stick, stick uh, <laughs> six, six Cause Light in extra cold every show. I'll tell you another funny story about Cause Light. So here, here I am insisting that all my Cause Light is frozen, right? Like... The cause light at its best temperature is just before freezing point. And it's really hard to judge because a beer, here's some science knowledge for you guys. When you open a beer can, the beer goes colder than what it was originally because once oxygen hits it, its freezing point drops or rises, one of the two. So if you've had a cause light in the freezer for a while and the bottle's like really nice, frosty and everything, you take it out and you open it, the beer freezes and it goes into a slush. So you've got to judge what point is that freezing temperature. So when you open it, it stays liquid because then it's like frosty water with no frost in it. Interesting. Mm. So uh, let's call it a day for that podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next question? Okay, we'll go with a bit more of a uh, technical question. Charlie Barrel, what is your favorite plugin VST to use when making your music? Oh yes, Charlie. Charlie tweeted me this as well. I want to get, I want to get a producer. So I'm, I'm going to raise this question again when I've got another producer on the show. But Charlie, very briefly, my my go-to plugin is Massive. I love Massive, but the problem with Massive is that it just, for me, the synths are just too electro sounding. There's very little variety in them, and if I'm not happy with Massive, I'll then take it to Stylemph because I really, really like Silent. Um You can get some really good presets for Silent. Stuff that I could never do like, unless I get that preset. So Massive is my go-to. Um, it's a very easy-to-use VST plugin. You can do a lot with it, but the sounds, after a while, once you've done like four or five tracks using Massive, they just all sound the same because they just use the same outputs and stuff. So my go-to would be um, Massive and Silent. Silent's very good, but... Uh, was it Charlie who asked a question? Yeah. Charlie, I'm going to bring this conversation up when I've got um, a producer on the show. And it'll probably be rewired, to be fair. I'm going to get him on soon. And then we can go through what he what he prefers. Because then I can really... Because on this show, I don't really want to go too technical. The technical part is for when I get actual DJs, artists, and producers on. So I'm going to bring it up with rewire. We can talk about it properly. And then and we can go through all the technicals. Thanks for your message, though, bro. Appreciate it. That's about it. There's only three questions. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll put on. So nice. um, let's, let's draw from my Snapchat. Leah from my Snapchat. Um, the question is, when I first started, did I have a celebrity inspiration in the music industry? It's a good question. I remember, obviously, Michael Jackson, but then Michael Jackson was, the you know, the 
probably the biggest inspiration. But let's let's just say when I started DJing, and let's focus it on when I was DJing as a resident uh, in Leicester. There was two clubs. There were three clubs I was resident at: Hush, Mars Bar, and Chili White. At the time, when I was trying to do something different to other resident DJs, which you know it it wasn't being really done there was just very in my opinion there was just a lot of generic stuff being done i was just try, always trying to be different i used to draw from uh, other djs and i used to look at the american scene a lot clinton sparks was someone who i used to look at thinking because he was right on that level he is like do you know I, in terms of resident djs to rock a saturday night party in, in a club in your local town the style clinton sparks does is really good because at the time, like, Dirty Dutch was really big. So, like, you had, like, uh, Chucky and Afrojack. They were all making high-pitched Dirty Dutch stuff. And, Tom, you know about Dirty Dutch. Yeah. And, you know, you, you had, like, Moomba and um, when, the bass got, when the bass drops. Oh, no, sorry, Let the Bass Kick, which was the original to LMFAO's I'm in Miami. And you had other stuff as well. which And, obviously, Amanda by Afrojack. And, and, and it, what I just did sounds like a dead cat. Fuck you. Go listen to Amanda. Sounds just like it. And they were all trying to merge like char R and B and and dance into this dirty Dutch sound. And and I was trying to ele- elevate that. And so Clinton Sparks was another one. And I would say like, obviously the the DJ Chucky's and Afro Jacks of this world was another. But that was they were my inspiration. Like in that certain time of my life when I was a resident DJ and I was trying to do something different in Leicester. So I would say in that period, yes. Now, in general, if you want to look at overall inspirations, Michael Jackson was the first person that got me dancing in front of my family. Prodigy was the first group for the first music act to actually get me screw facing and experience it a fucking screw face left field was another one i used to love left field when i was a kid i used to have um uh, at secondary school i used to always be known as a dude with a walkman and i used to always be listening to music on my break and stuff and the amount of times i got that walkman confiscated mate it was ridiculous. <laughs> but you know i was repping the walkman crew and yes it was a walkman back then there were cassette tapes and every day would be a different kind of music so it could be left field it could be prodigy it could be garage like garage nation garage mania all them original like la cosa nostra like all the original garage packs or it could be something really like commercial at the time like five or whatever it could be it could be whatever i was always listening to different music so i've drawn inspiration from a wide range of people but i think the the main people if you've seen me perform and if you heard if you hear my music and you've heard the names that i talk about you can see parts of them in everything i do there thanks leo thanks for the question who would you rather listen to five and sync Backstreet Boys. Who else am I missing? Ah, oh, so S Club Seven. S Club Seven. Um, Core. Who, who, who was like your guilty pleasure, dude? Five. It wasn't even guilty, bro. I had five posters on my wall. Is that you? Five were like five were the ones, and we. I actually got to DJ for five last year. Aberystwyth, I was Bro, there. I was, I was so excited. I swear, there's like a clip of me, like just giddying, like a little kid. You're in the new TV show. <laughs> After a clip of them, and you put your hand up saying five, and you look so happy. Uh, I was over the moon, and when I met them as well, 
I've got to put that up with one of my greatest accomplishments in life. <laughs> I'm not even lying. DJing for five. And let's be honest, guys. I wasn't really DJing. I was just pressing start and stop while they performed. But to me, I'm DJing for five. That is me DJing for five. One of my greatest accomplishments. I, well, it was three, wasn't it? It wasn't actually five. It was three, yeah, but you know. And uh, the, oh, the, the, every, and you were doing it too. Every song that they were doing, we were singing word for word. Yeah, I was going in. And their dance moves as well, like just pulling out dance moves that we just completely <laughs> forgot about, instantly remembered. What was your favourite? If you're getting down, baby. Just we that journey home, we just, <laughs> <laughs> just pumping out some like five and Backstreet Boys and stuff. I swear we've got like a little GoPro clip as well of us yeah, all singing. Even Backstreet Boys. I think we went through Backstreet Boys. We were singing every song. We've done Backstreet Boys journeys. We've done five journeys. We've done Michael Jackson. We did that whole trip to Gatwick Airport on Michael Jackson. At like four in the morning. Oh my God, that was fucking sick. <laughs> we need to get that up. It felt like the longest journey in the world. I, I was, I think I was doing like it was what a three and a half hour whatever journey at four o'clock in the morning. Me, I was going Malia, wasn't it? It was. We were going somewhere. I don't know. We always get booked from Gatwick. We live in Leicester, and we get booked to Gatwick Airport. I mean, come on, someone sort it out. We uh, we had Michael Jackson on the whole way. I think you were the selector. You were putting yeah. on the tracks. And, oh, the songs. And then, like, with the guitar, went into a melody, like, Right, we're putting this, we're putting that up. Yeah, yeah, we'll get that. I think I've got it. If you got it, because this podcast is obviously going out Wednesday night, Thursday morning. So we should try and get it up in time for that. Because I didn't remember, I didn't really think. Last time we did this, right? I just thought I just I'll bang I'll bang me and you in whenever I need a spare time. But from the feedback that I've got, like um, this has got to be a weekly thing now, man. What this one? Yeah, me and you. Why not? Why not? Okay, so let's draw from Facebook again. I've got another question. Um, what do you find is the best thing about being a DJ? Um, it's a good question. There's so many good things about being a DJ. I think, with me, I'm just really passionate about music. I'm really passionate about performing. I'm really passionate about making people smile. Sounds really cheesy. Um, but it's really true. Like, when I'm on stage and when 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 a track drops and, you know, uh, I'm on stage giving that, put your fucking hands up. One, two, one, two, three, go. And I just see the whole sea of people just, like, losing it. I'm losing it as well on stage. I'm not just like, acting all cool, like, yeah, it's a really good track, bro. I'm actually losing it on stage. Like, I'm getting that buzz that everyone else gets. And that's probably the best thing about it. I, and I've done nine to fives. I've done every, I've done the whole lot. I've done sales jobs. I've done repping. I've done, you know, everything you can imagine to get here. There is nothing in the world, there is no alcohol, there is no illegal drug, there is nothing that compares to the buzz on being on stage and just like just enjoying a moment with the crowd that's unspoken. It's, there's nothing like it. It is. It's like um, it's like you get a shiver up, up your body, and then you, you just. It's exactly that. That's exactly how it feels like. You get a shiver up your body when them moments happen, and like. You know, I'm sure like you've got clips of of us on on stage where like you just know, ah, oh, fuck, he's he's in the moment because you just get taken out. Whatever you're doing, you just get taken out. You're just like, oh man, it feels really good. So I would say that's the best thing about being a DJ, just getting that buzz, like off off. Even I feel that on the big shows when I'm with you, 
you yeah, just so like, you just know literally you can see like 30,000 people all jumping at the same time it's uh it's a pretty what's it, uh, what's it like a, from a cameraman's point of view like do you know what I mean like obviously you've seen us perform so you know what's technically going to come next and you know how, how if I'm doing something you know what we're preparing it for or if Rewire's doing something you know what he's preparing the crowd for what's it like for you I mean I just go back to that the, the first year we was at Plymouth we, we was side stage like we mentioned in the last episode we were so nervous and then we went on and literally again yeah you just saw like 30,000 people jumping at the same time it's 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 a crazy thing and as a cameraman that's sort of exactly what you you know you want you know that was the biggest show we'd ever, we, we had ever done as a you cameraman know? what's the worst case scenario for you obviously say you've got your brief you've got you've got to go and film stuff that obviously for late to, to put together a film or something um at a festival or whatever what's the worst case scenario as a cameraman is, is, is it if people are just dead or if there's no people I don't know it's actually quite a tough one because you know if, if it's dead obviously you can't really do anything about it I know there's a saying that sort of you got to make something happen but there's only so much you can do when there's <laughs> there's no one there to film but you know it is, it's quite tough when you, you turn up somewhere and obviously the vibe's not great and you know, there's people just sort of like standing around at the bar and uh you know, I, I you go back like, to like the chilly white days of you know that the club where I first started, and you just had people dotted around the edge of the club, and then you had a few girls dancing in the middle, getting your camera out and sort of trying to like make something of that. You know, because you have to literally tell people to do stuff, you have to tell people to dance, and it's just it, it's quite. It, it might not sound like the hardest thing to do, but when there's a lot of pressure to perform and to have something at the end of it, it, it is very hard. That's exactly. And at the end of the day, you, you're getting paid for something. And back in the day, when you just used to do little club videos, you know, they'd expect something way out of the league of, of what the, their yeah their expectations what, are just completely unrealistic. Yeah, exactly, and. I feel you know sometimes we get that now and we, I turn up to somewhere and they know, want they want an ultra after movie in there. yeah they want like an ultra after movie and this, all this amazing there's only one cameraman just, you can't get it and <laughs> there's one cameraman no but it's not even that it's it's just the people are you know you're, you're at a club and there's people are just rather just sit and have a drink rather than than like proper rave out i'm guessing then though having a camera shoved in the face <laughs> hello <laughs> i'm guessing like you know back at chili white whether you've got like a couple of people to scatter that like just 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 hop into the music i'm guessing like you just move the camera to make it look like really quick like up and down left and right yeah, exactly yeah. you have to just <laughs> shake the camera or something <laughs> 95% of people here just feel they, they don't know the difference between a video camera and a photography camera. They'll just be like standing there in a group photo, like, could you take a picture, mate? And I'm like, bro, I'm filming. <laughs> like, and then it's just really awkward because you just, you, you're aiming a video camera at them and they're just looking at you and you're like, oh my God. Like, that's probably one of the most sort of, I wouldn't say frustrating, but the hardest thing of my job is like working somewhere. Where <laughs> Dude, people I are not that up for it, you know. I had to mute because... my I had to mute my mic because I was just laughing too much. <laughs> I was just like you're holding this massive camera with like this big like monitor in front of you, like on your shoulders or whatever, and then just like smiling. <laughs> mate, can we have a picture, mate? <laughs> Bro, I'm filming. Like, do you not know what? A, oh 
Do you not know what a photography camera they're is? Like, like, John, Rob, Rob, call me a lad. Let's have a look at John. Dragging me, like, tap me on the shoulder, like, mate, mate, come here. Can we have a picture? And I'm like, mate, oh, my God. And, you know, it got to a point. I remember when you know, when I was studying in Leeds and I, I was filming over there, it you know, I was doing like two gigs a night and it got that frustrating. I actually made a little sign that I put on my phone, screensaver, <laughs> and it said, I'm filming. It's because I had to, I, I was saying it that many times a night and it was just getting so frustrating. I oh, mean, it's different now. The level we're filming at is, that's you know, brilliant. you can choose it. Sort of like, <laughs> uh, you have to put it on your phone. <laughs> it now. You know, you can, you, you can have done your intro, introducing me you know this is thomas he's from mtv he's filming for mtv dance blah 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 and i'll still get people coming up to me and being like mate can i have a picture and it's just that, <laughs> that that's one of the the most frustrating oh my god i just started so frustrating northern accent <laughs> uh, no we're not we're not actually you know we're not pinpointing northern is here it's just the accent that comes first it's just the British, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think British. <laughs> get Jenny, get Jenny and, and Gemma, and get Rob. Let's all have a picture. Yeah, our Tom was a picture. Picture on a birthday night out or something. Stop <laughs> <laughs> using the camera light to sort of like make it look more, uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, but that, that's the thing that, you know, that's the most frustrating thing for me is when people don't know the difference between a video camera and a photography camera. Um, but the scenario is probably, you know, you get it with like these corporate gigs that we have to do. It's very much like people just standing around and sort of having a drink and, and pr- like, you know, most of the time it's, I don't think I'd feel like very comfortable with like someone, you know, pointing a camera and at my the, face. And uh, the brief that you got was like, you're at a table, Tom, we, uh, we've got you here because we want to create an incredible video for our office Christmas party. And there are a lot of hardcore ravers here. There's a lot of ravers that work at Asda. And uh, we want to create that environment. We've seen your video for Croatia, Malta, and many other MTV events. With the, with the screen shakes, with a good drop. We want that here. Yeah, we, we can, uh, we've got like a smoke machine, which is kind of similar <laughs> to the CO2 <laughs> canister. Uh, we've got pyro, which is, you know, them confetti, little twisty confetti cannon things. Um, <laughs> we- <laughs> And you, you've seen Tomorrowland, right? You've seen the after movies of Tomorrowland. Yeah, so it's like 30 minutes long. So, um... We want yeah, that. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's not got to that level. It's never got to that level. I wish but, it had. <laughs> you know, in the past, I, I've, you know, especially especially in Leeds, I've turned up to places and they've given me a brief and that, uh, yeah, we, we want this. And I'm just, in my head, I'm like, okay, mate, like, yeah, you know. And you just got to go with it and do the best you can. But luckily, like I say, like the level we're at now, we don't really get that, so. Yeah. And it's very and, easy. And even if we did, we've got the power to say, nah, mate. That ain't gonna happen. I love you and all. I really do, but that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, I want to drag you around with me on our next. <laughs> <laughs> the, the photo thing normally happens on the student show, so when we, we're, yeah. next time we're at a student, I'm gonna like drag you around with me, and uh, we'll count how many times someone asks for a photo. I love you, funny. Let's go to uh, another question, and this was also on Snapchat. Uh, okay, I've got two here. Uh, did you DJ full time from the start? Dude, no fucking way. When I was... Okay, so basically, you can't, unless you've got a lot of money behind you, 
There is impossible to DJ as your sole job when you first get started. Even when I was quite established in Leicester um, as a just a resident DJ before any of the Ministry of Sound or Club MTV happened, way before that, like I had a full time job. I was working for Kodak selling cameras. So yeah, I was um, I was working two jobs. I always did until until Ministry of Sound came calling, and then I quit my day job. And I went to Ministry of Sound, but I've always, I've always had like up until you know we started touring Ministry of Sound, I've always had two jobs, sometimes even three. Always got to graft and you know got to do what you got to do. But I think it just comes a time when you have to sort of like make that decision, take that risk of whether yeah, to go full time. And, and for me, same with same with photography and thing as well. For, yeah, for me at that time, you know, when 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 Ministry of Sound did come calling, it was I, I it was a massive decision, and it didn't like the deficit in money that I earned a month and I was young and I was very brash with money and I wasn't very good at saving and stuff like that so I was I was earning a lot of money for a 21 year old I was earning two full-time wages and I was living a very lavish lifestyle I was spending a lot of money on shit that I didn't need and you know driving a very flash car and then a ministry of sound came and I had to stop everything. I had to stop my residency. I had to stop my full-time job to take this big jump into the unknown. And it was, it was really, really difficult because obviously the money, people always talk about, oh yeah, money shouldn't matter. When you're living, mate, money matters. You, you've got you to eat and you've got you to you pay your bills. And the Ministry of Sound thing, it, it, was, it was something that I had to do to evolve and develop my career. But by doing so, for, for that year and a bit, it was, it was probably the most, it was the toughest year financially that I've ever had. But I w- again, I wouldn't swap it for the world. It was, you know, it's, just, it's one of those things. I would never swap it because I am, I'm doing what I'm doing today because of that decision. And... You know, I look back at it, it's reminded me of that year that I had and what I had to do. I had to borrow, scrape, beg and, and, cl- and claw for every penny. But I was very lucky because I had such a good family behind me, a really good family. And even though my mum and dad have never really understood what I do for a living, even to this day. I'll tell you a funny story, Tom. So, you know, we walked the red carpet last year, me and Rewire yep. at the EMAs. Massive occasion. Man. I was, I was so, such a big thing like you know you've been invited to walk the red carpet so i went to my dad i'm like dad dad i'm, I'm gonna walk the red carpet in front dad for the emas and he was like so anybody can walk the carpet <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like no no dad honestly like i'm walking a red carpet with like the red carpet like the red carpet at the european music awards and he's like well i could go to rotterdam and walk a red carpet what's the big deal and i'm like no, 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 but I'm, I'm walking a red carpet with all these stars. And he's like, I don't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> and I think my dad actually generally thought, bless him, love it to bits, he's the best ever. I think he generally thought that I was just going to Rotterdam to walk on a red carpet. <laughs> just any oh, red carpet. <laughs> you just got to laugh, haven't you? Oh, it was, oh just so, I walked out of that conversation with the biggest smile on my face. I was just... <laughs> so... Yeah, like mum and dad, I, I just you know I don't think they fully understand what I do. Like even you know when I talk when I talk to them about this podcast, like they don't know what they don't know what a podcast is. Like <laughs> I can't explain what to my dad, and he's just like he's really confused because he's like, well, so you just talk with different people for an hour and a bit, and people want to listen. I'm like, yeah, that's what podcasts are. But why would they want to listen? Because like people are interested in what you got to say. He's like. 
But what have you got to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, the ultimate, we need to get your dad on Oh, here. my God. Oh, my God, Tom, we've got to get him on. <laughs> Jeez, uh, just, it's got to happen, I've got to get my dad on this podcast. It would be the funniest podcast in the world. What could we talk about? I, we could talk about literally anything. And it would be the best, it would give the best answers every time. We could talk oh. about how, um, what he thinks of my, my line of work. <laughs> Ravi, I've always said this Go get a real job <laughs> This is not stable Go to school Go to You go to school, bastard <laughs> <laughs> I really got to make this happen It's going right? to happen I've, I've got to get I'm Daddy Basti sure on the podcast Agree really? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, let's go to another question um, uh, On Instagram I, I forgot who it's from I'm sorry if I've forgotten who these are from like I I was I was in a rush and I wrote them all down how did you start with MTV that's actually a very good question um the the story of me signing for, well not signing but working starting to work with M- Club MTV and Club MTV in particular in 2009 2010 Rewire and I I mean we were friends way before this but we were um, we, we were doing our own thing individually. I was DJing at various clubs in Leicester. He was also DJing, you know, clubs in Leeds, Leicester. You know, he was doing his thing. But we've always had that, you know, we always wanted to come together and, and, and work together. We were very like-minded and, you know, we, we shared a lot of the same ethos in our passion for music. And we just, we wanted to come together and, and work together on, on, on a project. And we got this opportunity at a night called Bonkers at Liquid in Leicester, which was every Wednesday... It was a student night and we got given uh, that we got asked to do the cheese room. But then the promoters who, to their credit, they just said, you know, you can make this whatever you want. As long as you stick to the guidelines, you know, you, you can you can do whatever you want here. And that's when I first started wearing face paint. And my my first ever face paint was Joker, Heath, Le- Heath Ledger. I've got a picture on my Facebook and I was like little skinhead Varsky with a vest. And I had uh, my, my Joker face paint. And that's when I started doing the face paint on a regular. I think I, I, I rang the promoter up. Um, and I was like, do you mind if I wear face paint? And he, was, I, he knew I was a wrestling fan anyway. And he was like, yeah, go for it. And that was when I first started wearing face paint. So anyway, we, we were doing bonkers. And we, we really like, in our, in our zone, in our little bubble, which is the main room, we, we were trying to you know really push different kinds of music. But anyway, that's a different story. The actual night itself... Um, became one of the biggest student nights in England. Um, and after doing most of the success, successful music uh, student nights in England, I can see why, because Bonkers really was something. Every week there was like 4,000 people, um, without, with, even during exam weeks. It was it was really, really good. And there's places like Loughborough and places like Reading who, who do very similar. So I'm not saying this was the one, but, you know, they claimed that this was the biggest student night in England. And so... On the back of that, um, our current manager, Baz, what's up, Baz, uh, saw that and took us on to do Ministry of Sound Unitrash. I think he wanted to do, he wanted the concept of me in Rewire, uh, but to put it onto a more credible scale and, and start, you know, playing current credible music like dubstep. It was dubstep at the time with like Electro House and drum and bass. And so we moved on to Unitrash via. Baz, our current manager, who saw us and, and moved us on to 
uh, Unitrust. We then followed Baz from Unitrust onto Club MTV. And the deal, uh, towards the end of our ministry stint, I think... I think we knew that it was over. Uh, I think both both parties had gone as far as they could with each other. And, you know, I'm really appreciative to Ministry of Stand for everything they did for me because, you know, they, they did a lot. And I wouldn't, you know, everything, that, all the opportunities they gave us, I'm very, very grateful to that. So then we went to Club MTV. And Club MTV, bear in mind that when, I, when we agreed to part with Ministry of Sound, I was on the verge of quitting music and going back into a nine to five and stuff. I was literally, uh, I don't, did I, you knew me back then, Tom, of course you were, you were riding with us. Well, the uni trash days. At the end of uni trash. When end uni of trash, trash yeah. yeah. And, and we, I think we all were at, at the point where we were just like, you know, this is very seriously considering leaving music. And for me personally, the day I kind of had a come to Jesus moment and said right I'm done I need to go and start earning a living and doing something else you know I've done what I can the dream the dream was fun while it lasted I think the day after that I got a call from Baz saying do you guys want to come to MTV and and do the same thing but you know MTV have got some amazing ideas um Baz has always has amazing ideas and and to progress this and you know it's gone from that phone call to where we are now in, in four years and four years is a short period of time to achieve everything that club mtv has achieved and it's been a real steep like up upward like upward direction for us because of club mtv they've always been very supportive of our ideas anything we wanted to do creatively they've always been supportive of they've never been shy to put us in front of people to perform and even that when we were asked to do the Plymouth thing I'm pretty sure there were people at MTV at the time thinking what what the hell who are, who are these guys we're giving them the mic in front of all these people <laughs> but there were people in MTV who I'm eternally grateful to and um, who had faith and you know allowed us to do that and if they hadn't have ever had that faith then we wouldn't be able to do what we do today so big up MTV, big up Baz, big up Beck management and Rewire for the whole journey. But that's how that's how the whole journey with MTV started. Mm. Mm. True, interesting, right? Well, whoever asked that question got a good answer. Yeah, <laughs> got your money's worth. <laughs> um, but um, on a different note, I want to I, I want to just talk about um, the podcast in general, guys. If you're um, listening i really really do need your help i need everyone's um, help to 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 chip in and push this podcast further and increase the listenership and um, the way you can do that is by going onto itunes leaving a review and subscribing that's the first thing um and it's, it, i know it's a real small thing and it and it is a bit of an effort but trust me the more reviews i get on this podcast the more doors that are opened within itunes to get this podcast heard by other people and that's my goal with this project i really want to increase the listenership i want to get heard by as many people as possible and it all starts with you guys you guys are my foundation you guys are the people that i look to 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 kick this off and so if you are enjoying it leave a review subscribe and if you if you don't have an iPhone, you, obviously you're listening to this another way, so you know, but soundcloud.com slash Varsky. And, you know, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, on Snapchat, just share the link or just talk about the podcast because you know, that that means so much to me and it really will go a long way. And it will, and 
little things like that will really you know, make a big difference for this podcast. Now, I really appreciate everything you guys have done so far because there's been so much support come my way and keep supporting and just help sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, who's your favourite DJ? Uh, what of all time? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> See, I, I've been a massive Skrillex fan from the start because I, I can't remember when it was. I think it was about 2010 maybe even that before that when he, time. yeah you know he was producing the hard like yeah hard, he was, hard. He, yeah he was even the thing is though even skrillex even now what he's developed his music into this this is oh, what i was gonna be about to say like it's just it, yeah he's still got that sort of hard element to it but was it was, was it like, um with you that i listened to skrillex's set with a live drummer no i don't think so like there was one set where he had actual live drummer over his stuff and now his stuff's like it's just very far it's kind of like 4-4 but really quick oh mate but it's just what he's from um, you know from the start actually I love that you know that hard sound but what he's turned his music into now I mean you know you've got to respect him for the sort of the you know his production and who he sort of makes music for is well his own music is just uh you can't forget the beebs you can't forget the beebs the beebs uh purpose album yeah that was uh, that was him but even you know just his uh just his live sets i mean we listen to them all the time in the car and i mean they're just like if there's one person that i'd pay big money to go and see it'd probably be him and i'm just hoping that he comes to england Oh, and does one of our shows with us hint, oh, hint, 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 hint. <laughs> Save Tom thank you very much for getting on the podcast today I think we'll call it a day there guys thank you so much for listening this is Varsky's I Wanna Be A DJ podcast with the one and only Tom Bonski Tom where can we find you on Instagram uh, Thomas Bone double E Thomas Bone with two E's at the end once again this is Varsky's I Wanna Be A DJ podcast an education a celebration and a truthful account of how we live thank you so much for joining us for episode 3 I'll be back again for episode 4 with Mickey Slim in a couple of days that is not one to be missed thank you so much guys rate, review, subscribe it really does help and we'll see you next week see you later Tom I wanna be a DJ hello hello hello